Good morning, church. Let me start off by saying that I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak before you this morning. Um, I'm also thankful for uh, a guy like Jared who preaches here uh, every other Sunday, um, a guy who's gifted and who's sincere and uh, who's not only outstanding from the pulpit, but who's also pretty great to work with on a, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and I should say that I'm extremely grateful for an eldership who sees the benefit in giving Jared a few weeks off in the middle of the summer to, to pray and to prepare and to plan uh, for upcoming messages that he'll be presenting to us. Um, yeah, I, I want to start by praying this morning, if you'll bow your heads with me. Father, before we uh, open your word, we pray a blessing on what happens here today. We pray that you've been glorified in our worship of you, and now we open our hearts to you, and we open our minds to you, and we ask that you convict us and challenge us and change us. Um, We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible this morning, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 19. We're going to be talking about a story today from Luke 19 that's probably familiar to a lot of you, at least the ones of you that grew up going to church, especially if you were a child growing up in church, because there's a children's song that's based on this passage. It's the story of Zacchaeus. I'll read from Luke 19, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Jesus came down at once, or Zacchaeus came down at once, and Jesus welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. The children's song that we know reinforces Zacchaeus' height, or I guess his lack thereof. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. But in the Bible, what seems to be more significant than Zacchaeus' lack of height is his lack of morality, his lack of integrity. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a man who made a living overcharging his fellow Jews who lived under Roman rule. Keith explained this really well a couple of weeks ago when he talked about Levi, the tax collector. Tax collectors were essentially bullies and extortionists, greedily ripping money from the hands of their fellow countrymen, giving a cut of that money to Rome, and then keeping the rest for themselves. And the Bible's careful to tell us that not only did Zacchaeus make his living as a tax collector, but he became rich by collecting taxes. It's little wonder that tax collectors like Zacchaeus were known uh, at the time as, as the worst of sinners, the lowest of sinners. Zacchaeus was indeed a wee little man, a wee, rotten, sinful, despicable little man, which makes Jesus' interaction with him fascinating. So here's a question. What What is a guy like Jesus, a righteous man, a holy man, a devout man? What is a guy like Jesus supposed to do when his path intersects with a guy like Zacchaeus, a sinful man, uh, an evil man, a notorious man? One might expect 
rebuke. Zacchaeus, your actions are disgraceful. Shame on you. Or maybe judgment. Zacchaeus, what you've done is, is very, very, very bad. You're a bad person. You're an evil man. Or, or perhaps like a stern call to repentance. Zacchaeus, you better change your ways, man. Turn or burn. Do it now. But what Jesus did for Zacchaeus or said to Zacchaeus doesn't look like any of those things. What it looks like is grace. Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree. Come closer to me. Zacchaeus, let's, let's spend some time together. You and me, let's, let's hang out. Your place. It's grace. Undeserved acceptance. That's what Jesus offers. He offers to spend time with Zacchaeus, a well-known sinner, just as he was. You know, I guess it shouldn't surprise us that that's how Jesus treated Zacchaeus, a well-known sinner, because that's the way he treats well-known sinners over and over and over again in Scripture. You think about the, the, the prostitute in Luke 7, the, the tax collector, Levi, that, that Keith preached about in Matthew chapter 9, the woman caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8. In each of these instances, and in many others, Jesus welcomes Jesus accepts, Jesus blesses, he extends grace, no questions asked. Jesuit author David Fleming writes, the gospels show us Jesus entering into people's lives and inviting them to follow him right from where they are, from boats and fishnets and from tax booths. He does not demand first that they run to the synagogue. And I would add, nor does he make them clean up their act or, or get it all together or jump through behavioral and religious hoops before they can hang out in his presence. When asked why Jesus was so accepting of sinful people in another story in the Gospels, Jesus replies, because it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. Jesus welcomed sinful people just as they were. He treated them with grace, not with judgment. He went on to die on a cross, not for people who, who had their act together and were pretty good. Romans 5 says this, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. My friends, the grace-filled gospel of Jesus Christ says this to people like Zacchaeus. There's a God who loved you before you were made, who accepts you regardless of your mistakes, who invites you to come as you are. And church, I gotta be honest here. I'm not, I'm not sure how well the church of Jesus as a whole has done at following their master on this. About 10 years ago, a research group called the Barna Group conducted a, a survey of emerging adults and they published their findings in a book called Unchristian. And the results of that survey uncovered that one of the words that these young adults say most accurately describes Christians today is the word judgmental. And by judgmental they mean pointing out something that is wrong in someone else's life 
making the person feel put down, excluded, and marginalized. 87% of the young adults in that survey said the word judgmental accurately describes present-day Christianity. So let me get this straight. Almost nine out of ten millennials in this study used a word to describe us that Zacchaeus never would have used to describe Jesus in a million years. Certainly in the story of Zacchaeus and in many others where Jesus interacts with sinful people, with with people who are struggling with imperfections and immorality, Jesus doesn't lead with judgment. He leads with compassion. He leads with grace. Some of you are thinking, now hang on, Stephen. Jesus calls out sin. Jesus tells people when, when they're doing wrong things, you're right. I can't think of times in Scripture where Jesus does lead with judgment. And those times that I can think of when Jesus leads with judgment are when he's calling out the sin of religious people who are leading with judgment themselves against sinful people. The sin that Jesus routinely judges is the sin of self-righteousness and the sin of judgmentalism. That's the sin that Jesus just doesn't seem to be able to handle. I think there's good reason for that. Jesus knew that being judged is horrible uh, motivation for life change. Jesus knew that, that when a, a religious person judges a, a, a person who's involved in sin, that, that person who's involved in sin doesn't walk away and think, man, you know what, that, that person that judged and excluded me had a great point. I'm ready to get baptized now. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to start going to church and, and walk the straight and narrow because of that person's judging me. Now, the opposite takes place when we lead with judgment. That posture repels the spiritually sick. It, it pushes away the people that need Jesus the most, the people that Jesus came to seek and to save. We swap the message of the gospel, which is supposed to be good news for sinful people, and we replace it with this ungodly message that says, you're a sinner, you're not good enough, you're not welcome here. I, I can't talk about this and think about this without thinking of our missionaries, uh, Matt and Nikki Wallace in Denver, uh, Colorado. They, they work with uh, an organization called Dry Bones that they helped start about 15 years ago. Dry Bones reaches out to uh, homeless young people that live on the street of Denver, teenagers, young adults. Um, in fact, we've got a group that left this morning to go spend some time with Dry Bones. Matt and Nikki established this ministry to, to share hope and, and Jesus and, and, and this message of grace with these street people that, that they just call their friends. And as you would imagine, some of their friends are involved in some, some bad stuff. A lot of them are addicts. Some of them are prostitution. Most of them have rap sheets with the law. They're, they're convicted thieves and felons. And I'll never forget a conversation I had with Matt a few years ago. He was talking about sort of the, the, the way Dry Bones does things. They, they go on the street and, and they, they meet these kids where they are, the, these young people, their friends. They meet them where they are on their turf and they share life with them and they share love with them. And he said this to me, Matt did. He said, Stephen, I found that before my friends can believe what I believe, they need to know that they belong. He said, belonging comes before believing. 
Friends, I think if we want people to come to Christ, we need to have more of that spirit in our interaction with people who are far from him. And I gotta say, a lot of you do this beautifully. And I learn what, what this means. Belonging comes before believing by the way you treat people with grace. And I'm appreciative of that. But I, I think we can do this more. I think we've gotta do this more. Jesus surprised and offended the religious community with his ability to make disreputable, disreputable people feel like they belonged. His acceptance of sinful people was scandalous. I think we've got some scandalous accepting of other people, sinful people, uh, that we're called to do in our community. I believe that there are people in this city, just like Zacchaeus was in his day, who are just longing to get a glimpse of Jesus, longing uh, to, to feel like they're accepted by God. They're living outside of the kingdom and, and, and they're sick of being judged by religious people. Our city is filled with them. There are people in our community who have been classified by religious people solely by the sin uh, that, that's in their lives. That's the only way that, that they're known and judged. Not as people, but as their worst mistake. Nothing more. Can we admit that we've been guilty of of being too judgmental with these people? I can admit that, I have. And can we admit that by leading with judgment, not only have we strayed from the example of Jesus, but that we've also done a a great amount of, of damage to these souls that the Lord sees as precious and worth dying for. May God have mercy on us. And may God help us to say to those people, please come as you are. So back to the story of Zacchaeus. After being invited by Jesus as he was, Zacchaeus takes Jesus to his home and then this happens. I'll pick up in verse eight. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated them out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It's remarkable that in the course of, I don't know, a few hours spent with the Son of God who accepted him as as he was, Zacchaeus was transformed from Zacchaeus the despicable tax collector to Zacchaeus the generous philanthropist. It's remarkable, but it's not surprising. See, because the point of all of God's grace and acceptance is not that the sinful person would stay in that state of sin. He wants us to be transformed into the people of God. Author J.R. Briggs says it like this. He says, while God meets his people where they are, he almost certainly does not desire for his people to stay where they are. Or I've heard it put like this, God loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay that way. God's will for Zacchaeus was not that he would spend some time with Jesus, and then as soon as Jesus left, Zacchaeus would go back to the tax booth and continue to exploit the poor and line his pockets. Jesus accepted him as he was, sure, but he didn't want Zacchaeus to stay that way. And so in the story, we see Zacchaeus begin to change. We see him to think and act more like Jesus thinks and acts. 
We see Zacchaeus begin to give to the poor. We see him seeking reconciliation in relationships that he's damaged. We see him loving his neighbor and not cheating his neighbor. Zacchaeus entered a process that some people call spiritual growth or sanctification or being transformed in the image of Jesus. It's a process that every single follower of Jesus since then has been invited to be a part of. We don't remain as we used to be. We don't think like we did before we met Christ. We change, we mature, we grow. We commit ourselves to this spirit-led, never-ending process called discipleship. It's a wild journey. It's an unpredictable journey. At times it's a difficult journey. At times it's an exciting journey. Frankly, it's a journey that a lot of Christians decide they don't need to be a part of. There's a, an author and a, a pastor named Peter Scazzaro who tells of one of his church members. His name is Jay. Jay had been a Christian for a couple of decades, but had realized that he really hadn't participated in any of this spiritual growth stuff, discipleship stuff. And so Jay went to his pastor one day, and he said this to him. He said, Pastor, I've been a Christian for 22 years, but instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I've been a one-year-old Christian 22 times. Brothers and sisters, God's will is not that we would remain spiritual infants all our lives, or that we would go on living as we used to live, like toddling around in the sin that we used to have. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, then you should be able to look back five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, one year ago, and see difference looking at where you are now compared to where you used to be. You should see growth and development. You shouldn't be the same person that you were back then. And scripture speaks to this over and over again. It, it talks in numerous ways about how, uh, as a follower of Jesus, we, we, we change. We leave the old behind and we become someone new. In Romans 6, when Paul talks about our being baptized, he refers to baptism as a death of the old person. That person is, is dead and buried. We die to sin, we die to self, and we're raised uh, to live a new life. Uh, as, as spiritual infants, we're expected to grow from that point, to mature and to develop. Galatians 2.20 uh, says that we've been crucified with Christ. That person doesn't live anymore. But that the new person that lives uh, is, is Christ. Christ growing in us. More and more we become uh, looking like him, thinking like him, acting like him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new is coming and growing and developing into the image of Jesus. Just as Zacchaeus was transformed by the time he spent with Jesus, so our lives are transformed by our time with the Lord. We begin to care about the things that he cares about. We begin to do the things that he would do. We begin to treat people the way that he would treat people. We begin to avoid the things that he would avoid. We are invited by Jesus to come as we are, but we don't stay that way. But here's the thing, that, that transformation that God expects out of us, it doesn't get initiated by our guilt. And it doesn't get initiated by our fear of being rejected by God. It comes as a result of grace. And in Romans, 
Paul is addressing a group of Christians who, frankly, are judging other people, pointing out their sins. And Paul's message to them is, no, 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 you're no better than them. You've got sin, too, in your life. And then he says this to that group. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Now, don't miss this. God's kindness is what turns people from their sin. Not his anger, not our shame. It's God's patience and kindness. It's his acceptance of us that changes us. Titus 2 says it like this in Titus 2.12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It, grace, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Friends, it's, it's grace that changes us. It's God's kindness and love for us that call us to repent. Not shame, not being judged, not guilt. It's grace. It's the case with Zacchaeus, it's the case with us. It's the love that the Lord has for us that motivates us to change our lives. Grace says, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. It's true for Zacchaeus, it's true for us. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. So church, in this little phrase, I think there's a challenge for every single one of us this morning. There's a group in here this morning, the challenge to you is to stop thinking that somehow God doesn't love you as you are. See, in the story of Zacchaeus, we, we see through Jesus that God's heart is big. Uh, that his heart is big and it's full of love and grace and acceptance. And God says to people like you, come as you are. Because as great as your transgression may be, guess what? God's ability to love is greater. As, as bad as you think your mistakes are, guess what? God's grace is taller and, and wider and deeper. His ability to forgive uh, covers over any sin in your life, I guarantee it. He invites you to come as you are. For others of you, the challenge is to stop being so judgmental and instead to lead with compassion, to lead with grace. I gotta say, if, if, if that's you, your, your judgment's not helping anybody. It's not bringing anybody into the kingdom. In fact, it's having the opposite effect. It's repelling people. So try a different method, a different approach. Try an approach that Jesus modeled. Instead of leading with judgment, lead with compassion and grace. If there's a person or a group of people that you're tempted to just judge and refer to by their sin, try treating them like a person instead. Lead with compassion and grace and not judgment. Accept people just as they are. And for a third group of us this morning, the challenge is to let that grace and acceptance that God gives us motivate you to change something in your life. It's time to grow up. It's time to obey. It's time to spend some time with the Lord, to, to get into scripture, to get into prayer. It's time to serve other people. It's time to go on a mission trip. It's time to seek some spiritual relationships with people that are gonna challenge you and make you a better person. It's time for you to take some steps in your discipleship journey. It's time for you to not stay as you are.
Hope you have a challenge this morning. Uh, I am challenged by this story. If you want to talk to somebody about uh, something that's going on in your life, a way that you want to change, or if you want to come to the Lord this morning, we're going to have some elders right outside of these doors. Uh, There's a little room. They're there to pray with you, to talk with you, to listen to you. Uh, There'll be others uh, in this room. Talk to a neighbor. Uh, Come as you are to the Lord, but don't stay as you are. We're going to stand and sing uh, as the praise team leads us now.